You may read along with today's scripture that is printed in your worship folder from Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hear God's word. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Thank you, Melissa. Just a reminder that during this uh, season of Lent, we also uh, worship on Wednesday nights following our Lenten dinner. Lenten dinners begin at 5.30 p.m., and we have a 30-minute worship service here in the sanctuary at 6.30 p.m. I don't know what it says about the fact that we eat and talk twice as long as we worship and pray, but that's the schedule, uh, 5.30 and 6.30. And we're uh, exploring places of the passion on Wednesday nights. We hope you can join us for that as well. Shall we pray? God of mercy, grant that the word you speak this day through scripture and sermon will take root in our hearts and bear fruit in our lives for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and to the glory of his name. Amen. There's a fish story in Luke's gospel that we just heard that outdoes all other fish stories. Uh, Simon's uh, reaction to a record catch of fish, however, was somewhat unexpected and surprising. It was fear that was produced in Simon when the, the nets that they cast into the sea brought back a record catch. Have you ever heard people say, I've heard it over and over again, that I wish I had been there. I wish I had been with Jesus and the disciples in the first century. Wouldn't it have been something to meet them, to shake their hands, to go where they went? Well, often people wish for such things uh, motivated by a healthy curiosity of what those original disciples were like. Uh, but I think it, the idea that it would be easier to believe if we were there with them is a hard one for me to swallow. Let me tell you why. I'm not convinced seeing these disciples would make the gospel any more believable. In fact, it might make it more difficult 
The disciples were not from among society's upper crust. They weren't highly educated. They weren't well-dressed. They weren't even well-mannered people. Uh, the odds are that if we could have met up with Jesus and his band of followers, the first thing they would, uh, that would strike us is their commonness, their ordinariness. We would perhaps notice their dirty fingernails, the calluses on their hands and feet, or their missing teeth each time that they grinned when Jesus spoke. You might be surprised at how short and stubby a couple of them were, and you'd probably notice their salty language if you hung around. That's why if magically we could see the disciples, their demeanor, their speech, their appearance, I don't think it would make it any easier to believe the gospel. Uh, can it really be this ragtag group of undereducated fishermen were in touch with the deepest truths of the universe and the dearest secrets of this world? Well, the events leading up to this particular fish story are fast moving. If we back up to chapter four of Luke, we will find Jesus reading scripture and speaking in his hometown synagogue, after which he was nearly run off a cliff, by the way. Uh, next, an evil spirit is driven out by, uh, from a deranged man. Then he's in the home of Simon Peter and the, uh, he's restoring the big fisherman's mother-in-law to health who was running a high fever. This attracts a whole flock of people with physical ailments, all of whom are healed. And after this hectic schedule, Jesus begins to teach and preach beside the Sea of Galilee or the Gentile name, Lake Gennesaret. Two boats have just come in and the fishermen are washing their nets. This sight gives Jesus an idea for crowd control. He decides instead of the people just crushing in on him, he would go out away from the shore and they would gather along the shore and the sound would reach them much better, which was a very good idea. Uh, it shows me that using whatever is at hand, whatever resources are already there can help us to do the work of God. That's, that's a good point to remember before we get into the rest of the story. Simon's boat becomes a platform then from which Jesus teaches and preaches. But afterward, he wants to reward Simon for sharing his boat, for his generosity. Uh, so he suggests that they put out and lower their nets for a catch. Simon is skeptical uh, at best. <laughs> He explained that they had already fished all night with no luck, and anybody in the fishing business knows the time to catch fish is not in broad daylight with the sun glaring on the water and spooking the fish, but Simon did as Jesus asked. Lord, you may be able to cast out demons and heal the sick and preach with authority. You may know about heavenly things, but I know about fishing. Fishing is my life. That's not in the story, I'm adding that. If I was Simon, that's probably something I would have said. We can understand his reaction. Imagine if, uh, if you will, the most godly person you've ever met, a pastor, a teacher, a friend, a family member, 
begins to tell you how to do your job better. Let's say that uh, she, she is uh, alive again and Mother Teresa comes to your place of work and she says, I see from your financial records that you only did $25 million of business last year. I can show you how you can do $250 million, 10 times the business. And we like to think we'd re react politely, but I have a hunch most of us would say, listen, Mother T, you take care of the poor and I'll take care of my business. Thank you very much. Fortunately, Simon, expecting only failure, obeys Jesus. They head out, they put down their nets, and the haul is the biggest catch of Simon's fishing career. The weight of it nearly breaking the nets, and they have to draft their partners in a second boat to come and take more of the load. For me, this suggests that in God's mind, there's no dividing line between the sacred and the secular. Whatever it is we do, wherever it is we go, God is there. And we may accept Jesus as the one who forgives our sins and saves our souls and reconciles us to God, but consider this. He also may be the one who can help us do our work better, make our businesses flourish, go with us wherever it is that we labor. Simon is not only astonished by his instant success, but um, in the Jesus film that we show uh, confirmation classes every year, the actor who portrays Simon, his, his face is classic uh, when Jesus comes to the boat and when he sees this miraculous catch. It is a look of terror, pure terror. Therefore, Jesus responds by saying, don't be afraid. And he goes on to call him and his companions to do a more important work. They are in the future to catch men and women and boys and girls instead of catching fish. They are uh, to capture the hearts and minds of people everywhere for the kingdom of God. But in the end, the biggest catch of their lives was insignificant in light of this new calling, this new line of work that Jesus was bringing them into. Simon's unexpected success made him fearful, and that's the point we really don't want to miss. Uh, there are people who have a chronic feeling of inadequacy that leads to fear. I'm sure those patterns begin early in life for most people. Counselors, psychiatrists, physicians tell us that there are those people who have predetermined that they can never be confident about anything that they do or attempt in their lives. This kind of fear of inadequacy can affect any one of us. Presbyterian minister Bruce Larson says, one test they give children involves tossing rope rings around a peg set, uh, wooden pegs. The instructions are deliberately sketchy. The children are given rings and told that the point of the game is simply to get the rings over the pegs. So some of the children, predetermined that they do, do not want to fail, set the pegs down right in front of them and drop the rings on top. They, of course, do, do it perfectly. 
And then there's another group that puts the pegs at a reasonable distance away. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose, sometimes they hit it, sometimes they miss. That behavior, of course, uh, gives them a chance, but it's somewhat of a struggle. And then the third group of children put the pegs so far away that there is no way that they can reach it with their throw. And that behavior, unfortunately, uh, follows them through life. They choose unsatisfying mates. They go into unrewarding jobs. Whatever they do, it seems to ensure that they wallow in their unworthiness and in their inadequacy. Most of you know that the Peanuts cartoon is one of my favorite all time. Uh, Charles Schultz, who penned the cartoon strip, often zeroed in on the most human of our dilemmas. Uh, one cartoon has Lucy saying to Charlie Brown, you know, life is like an ocean liner. Some people take their deck chair and put it at the stern to see where they have been. Others take their deck chair and put it at the bow to see where they are going. Charlie Brown, tell me, where do you want to put your deck chair? Charlie Brown says, I can't even unfold my deck chair. Charlie Brown, the eternal loser, has an inordinate fear of inadequacy. Bruce Larson wrote in his wonderful little book uh, that gave me the idea for this sermon series titled Living Beyond Our Fears, that soon after I arrived, says Larson, in a new congregation, a couple took me aside to register a complaint. Since you've been here, it seems that we laugh a lot in worship. We don't think that's appropriate. I had to level with them, says Bruce Larson. You may be right, but while I'm here, we're going to laugh. Laughter is, of course, very legitimate in worship. Laughter is one of the hallmarks of emotional health, but there are people that are afraid to laugh. There are people throughout the Christian church who are afflicted with the fear of inadequacy. And their fear leads to never attempting anything for the kingdom of God if it sounds even a little bit risky. I believe that God wants to bless us and we should let his blessing come because it may help us put our fears behind us. Leonard Vanderzee has this thought to share about Luke 5. Suddenly Jesus came up with a strange idea. Let's go fishing out in the deep water. I've got a hunch there's a catch out there. So Simon, the experienced fisherman that he was, tried to be polite to this landlubber and said, Master, we've worked so hard all night and haven't caught anything. He didn't add, but was probably thinking, this guy doesn't realize that deep sea fishing in broad daylight is gonna be really difficult. But Simon, having failed to accomplish much in his, on his own, was in no position to argue with the Lord's suggestion. What he does say is the sentence that will change the entire course of his life. Perhaps he even says it with uh, a sigh of resignation. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And we know what happens. 
It all begins when Jesus comes to the middle of our lives, where we work, where we live, whether it's at the seaside, in the classroom, in the car, in the hospital, in the office, in the kitchen. And he asks us to let him do something for us. One strange little thing, like fishing in deep water in broad daylight. It's the kind of thing that's kind of weird, a bit outside the usual routine, but that's often where Jesus comes to call us, where we least expect it, where we fail, where we feel in over our heads. Jesus invited Peter to fish in the deep water, and I like that little phrase, in the deep water. It reminds me of the summer that I earned my swimming and life-saving badges at Boy Scout camp. Because I wasn't a great swimmer, I had a fear of inadequacy when I went to camp. At first, I struggled with that, but I reached my goal by the end of the week, had my swimming badge to put on my sash, had my life-saving badge to put on my sash because of some good counselors and some good friends who were in my corner. I firmly believe that God takes the highest view of our potential. God doesn't want us to waste time paddling around in shallow waters. He wants us to go out to the deep waters. There are at least two major lessons that I've learned from Luke 5 and the story of the big catch of fish. First, fish fries are a good idea for church. Well, some churches, anyway. We don't do fish fries. We do Lenten dinners. And we spend a whole hour eating them, by the way. No, first... The first thing is, in the mind of God, there's no separation between our spiritual lives and our workaday lives. Jesus wants Simon to overcome his fear of inadequacy as a fisher of fish so that he can become a fisher of people. And second, I've learned that God is on our side. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus tells his followers, or most anyone near him, don't be afraid. The Lord is with us. And my sincere hope and prayer is that in this season of Lent, when we worship the Lord Jesus, we will discover what fears he wants to release us from. Jesus tells Simon, don't be afraid. And he gives him an indispensable, urgent mission. And the very good news today is that he can do the very same for you and me. Amen. Thank you for joining us. A video recording of this service can be found on YouTube or Facebook by searching for Kenmar Church.